Well, welcome everybody. Great to see you guys. Everybody over at uh, Montrose, great to see you and look forward to uh, talking here at our town hall in a little bit. And everybody online, thanks for joining us as well. And happy new year. A lot has happened in this new year. Uh, some things I don't want to talk about. So I want to say uh, congratulations to all of you Michigan fans. It just goes to see that um, cheaters can be winners. And so... <laughs> You, didn't, you really didn't think I was going to let that sit, did you? No way. I can't because this is a place of truth. And so I have to say these things. <laughs> so anyways, but happy New Year's. It's good to be together. Uh, before we get rolling, uh, I want to pray for a, uh, a minute. So we have about, um, I, think we, I think the number is 154 junior high students and then like 35 adult leaders on a retreat right now. And uh, if, you, if you've been around Grace a little bit, we do these retreat things a lot because, I don't know, God just shows, there's something about changing your environment and being in a place without distraction that you kind of interact with God in a different way. And so we really try to do these things a lot. So I just think we should pray for them. It's a big part of our church and pray for the kids that they're open and that, you know, they're kind of investigating who Jesus is and putting in some of those real foundational pieces into their life. And then pray for those adults too. There's, a, there's probably a whole bunch of jokes to be made about going on a junior high retreat, uh, but these are a lot of folks that like love Jesus and love the kids of the church, and so they, they've taken their weekend to like invest in these kids, and uh, the reward that, that they want is like the spiritual conversations and the times of prayer and, and the, the, the rich stuff, so I just pray that, um, I want to pray for them too with that, so so why don't we do that? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and like, why don't you say hi to Jesus, maybe share a little bit with him what's on your heart and then uh, we'll just start our time that way, okay? So Jesus, we come to a place like this, gather together to kind of you know, give full attention to you. But God, we come in, each of us individually. There's, there's work and school and family stuff and health and people that we love who are struggling. There's always, always a lot, God, on our hearts. So thank you that you care about that. And uh, you say your words that we're to cast our anxieties and our cares on you because you care for us as your children. And so, God, we just kind of do that and ask that we, can, that we can let those things rest with you and trust you with all the nuances of our life. And so... Thank you that we can even take pause and do that on purpose in a place like this. So thank you. God, we pray for uh, the part of our church family that, that's on retreat. And so God, pray for our junior high students. And Lord, you, you work, you love children, and you love youth. And thank you that as a church, we do that too and prioritize that so highly. And so God, we believe that you can interact with them and that you can speak into their lives and put foundational pieces in their lives. So just do that. And God, uh, let, them, let them be open to what you have to say and who you are and what you're like. And for those adults too, Lord, as they're, they're, not, they're not chaperoning, they're there to disciple. And so God, as they're speaking into their lives and praying with kids and talking with kids and helping them bear the burdens of their lives, Lord, that you just give them rich and meaningful times and life-changing times to that as well. So thank you, Jesus, that we can do that and we can do that with and for each other and uh, that you're in, the, you're in the middle of it. So we love you and thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, excited to, uh, to kick things off in this new year. And 
part of what we're doing in this new year is we're going to start this series called Assume I Know Nothing, A Beginner's Guide to Understanding the Story of God. And uh, this, is a, this is a series that I'm really excited to walk through. And I just want to like tell you why I, I want to walk through it. Um, I did this series about seven or eight years ago, and we found that when we did this, it was incredibly helpful for folks to go through this series. And then what I've done recently is I finished, I started a book on this seven or eight years ago, and I finally finished it uh, with everything that's kind of gone on in our world. So that book released here uh, just a couple months ago. So as we teach you this series, the way that we're going to do it is I'll teach you on the weekends. You can grab the book, there's a book, there's a podcast that's me reading the book. So if you love this voice, if this would help you go into a deep sleep at night, uh, you can play it 24-7. So instead of an audio book, we just did a podcast of it. And then there's even the first round of sermons on this. And those are all online. The way that that, that stuff works here at Grace, I don't own my books, we do. They belong to the church. So when you grab those things, I don't ever make money off of that stuff. It's kind of ours, because we produce that for you. And so all of that's produced. You have a QR code on the back of your chair. If you're watching online, you can see it online there. If you hit that, it'll take you to all those resources. So if you want a physical copy of the book, if you want to stay up to speed with the podcast of reading it, or if you want to listen to the old stuff or the new stuff, um, it's all kind of right there. And the reason that, that we're doing that is we found that this is, this, uh, is a process that's very, very helpful. The, where, where the process came from was, like I said, seven or eight years ago, um, Heidi and I, uh, with, our, with our partners, we own a, a gym, uh, an athletic facility, and Heidi uses it all the time. Um, so she's really into it. Um, but uh, at our gym there, we have a bunch of friends, and, and Heidi was, uh, called me one day, and she said, hey, there's a mutual friend of ours uh, that we work out with, and, and um, she would like to talk with you. Some stuff's going on in her life. She wanted to know if she could talk to you because you're a pastor. I'm like, yeah, sure. So went and kind of did our workout, and then our friend and, and I just kind of pulled chairs up over in the corner while other people were doing stuff, and just I started talking to her about spiritual things. And as we're talking about spiritual things and some of what was going on in her life, we're probably like five minutes in and I realized like we were not connecting. You ever have that happen to you? You're like, you know, what, whatever's happening, we are not on the same page right now. So I kind of stopped and I asked my friend, I said, hey, I said, do you know what I'm talking about at all? And she's like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so I just started investigating. I was like, do you know anything about the Bible? She's like, I don't know anything about the Bible. I was like, do you know like the difference between like the Old and the New Testament? She's like, I, ha I have no idea. I said, do you know anything about Jesus? She's like, I know like, you know, he existed. And I said, okay. And I was a little embarrassed. And I, and I, said, I said, you know, I don't really know. Um, I, don't, I don't want to be, I'm afraid I'm going to feel patronizing to you. Or I'm going to, like I'm insulting your intelligence. That's why I'm asking you this question. Because I didn't know where to start. And then she, she said to me, it, one of the sweetest things anybody's ever said to me, she looked at me and she goes, Jeff, she goes, don't worry about it. Just assume I know nothing. And she's like, I'm not gonna be insulted. I'm not gonna receive it like you're patronizing me, you're talking down to me. Just assume I know nothing and try to walk me through it from the beginning. And she really let me off the hook with it. And when, when she did that, I was like, okay. And I was like, okay. Like, how do you take 
the story of Jesus and the story of God from absolutely nothing and make it all make sense. And so our conversations that we were having and like the process that that conversation went through became a teaching series, became the book, and, and now became this. And what we found when we did this the first time through was we found that it was actually incredibly healthy and helpful to a bunch of people. So for instance, if you come to Grace and you're like brand new to following Jesus, what you need to know is that you are not alone and you're not the weirdo at Grace Church. Like there's a, there's a ton of people like you who when we talk about things, maybe I'm talking up here, or we're talking in collective or in merge or something like that, and, and you're like, I don't really know what they're talking about right now. You are so not alone in that. There's a bunch of people like that as well because you don't have like a, a foundation of those things. And so this series is meant to help with that. There's others of us who grew up in church. Sometimes what I like to say is if you didn't grow up in church, sometimes you're at an advantage because if you did grow up in church, we got a bunch of stuff, because I grew up in church, like we got a bunch of stuff like programmed into us, and sometimes it's not right at all. So I have this little saying, I always say, I'd rather mold clay than chisel granite. And, and what I found in my life is I was granite that had to be chiseled. When, when I finally found out who Jesus was and what he was like, I'd gone to church literally my whole life. I didn't know till I was a junior in college that Jesus loved me. Like nobody ever told me that. I knew he was, he didn't like sin and I knew I was a sinner. Like that was super clear, but I didn't know he loved me. So when I found that out, like all this, all this granite had to be chiseled off of me before I had like a healthy view of Jesus. So for some of you, this series will be like very first round, like this is what God is like, this is how you follow him and it'll be brand new information. For another chunk of us, it's gonna be like, oh, wait a minute. I had no idea that that's what that was and that's what that wasn't. And then for a, like a third group of us, you, you do have maybe a healthy view of, of Jesus and you know the Bible fairly well. You're gonna really feel something uh, this spring, especially at Grace Church. And what you're gonna feel is old Pastor Jeff pushing you to disciple people. And I'm gonna be looking at you, the Bible says that if I'm a follower of Jesus, I should be teaching other people how to be a follower of Jesus. And so you're gonna hear me and feel me kind of pushing and leaning into that quite a bit. Well, before I push you and lean you and you know, kind of lean into you that way, what we thought we would do is do this series so that you had a resource. Because for some of you, you're like, I don't really, know. like where do I start with it? And I'm like, well, what if I explain this path to you and then you ha if you wanna use the book or you wanna use the podcast or whatever or the sermon series like when it's done, like then you have something to work with to help other people who maybe don't have a background or need to be chiseled, right, to, to do it. So that's why we're doing it. So, some of us need it like straight up. Some of us like need to have like those edges knocked off. That was very much my story. And then some of us need like a bit of like a, a tool and a pathway to do the parts of following Jesus that involve helping other people to follow Jesus. And so that's what we're gonna do here for the first uh, few weeks here uh, of the new year. And, and what I'd like to do is this, I kinda like to make a deal with you. So I really believe that, that if you'll engage this, like I, I think God will make way more sense to you, kind of regardless of where you, where you feel like you stand with God, I think it'll make more sense to you. 
um, I feel like at a minimum, the Bible and like following Jesus will make more sense to you as we go through this process. But, but here's the deal. The deal is, is that I would really encourage you to like engage this series to the end. So like we all made a bunch of New Year's resolutions. Most of us have broken the diet one. We're like, no, I'm gonna start the second week of January. Like I know how that works. Like, like so, but the church one, the church one, I'm like, what if, what if you just in your own brain made a deal with yourself I'm gonna really do my best to either be at Grace on the weekends or if I miss, I can't be here, watch online and go through this series so that like the, the arc of it kind of finishes its work, whether it's informing or changing or helping you so you can help somebody else. And what if we kind of made a deal where that's what we were gonna do and we we're gonna kind of start off 2024 that way, right? And, and lay that foundation down. So you don't have to make it you know, a public commitment, but I just kind of would love for you to kind of think that way. Like this is good stuff, it's important stuff, it's foundational stuff. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, it's gonna impact you in a powerful way. And like let's go on the journey and see what we find and, and see how God interacts with us through it. Make sense? Okay, so that's where we're gonna launch. So. I'm gonna start that this weekend, and I'm gonna start by talking about, I'm gonna start with the assumption that you know nothing. So I'm not trying to patronize you, not trying to talk down to you, nothing like that, but I'm gonna kinda of do what my friend did to me. I'm gonna assume you look at me and say, Jeff, assume I know nothing. And we're gonna start at the very, very beginning. So if I was gonna to try to talk to you about what it means to know God and follow Jesus, and I was gonna start at the very, very beginning. Uh, where, where would I start? Well, as I, as I look through things and think through things, if you were looking at the very, very beginning, before you talked about church, ready? Before you talked about theology and doctrine, ready? And before you talked about the Bible, if you were going to the very, very beginning of what is the very first step that I have to make or the very first thing I would pay attention to if I wanted to go on a spiritual journey, the very, very beginning place that you would start is you would start with the person of Jesus Christ. And you would ask yourself the question, how is it that I perceive or how do I accept the person of Jesus Christ? Christianity is a very unique faith when, a, when just opposed against other faiths because of this. Our faith is not built on a book. So sometimes we think, well, Christianity, that's like the Bible stuff. I'm like, no, the Bible's a part of it. We'll talk about it as we go. But our faith is actually not based, at the very, very beginning, it's not based on the Bible. Our faith is not based on the church. So sometimes we're taught like, well, religion, like the Buddhists are religious and the Hindus are religious and there's systems and structures. So our base, our very, very beginning is not based on the church or the theology and the doctrines around the church. And it's actually not based on our prophets. So it's not based on Paul, it's not based on Peter. It, like Mormonism is based on like Joseph Smith. Uh, Islam is based on Muhammad. It's not based on the prophets. Christianity at its very, very core, at its very, very beginning, 
is based on a person, and the person is Jesus Christ. So when Christianity, when you think about being a Christ follower, everything, if you're gonna boil it all the way back down, everything is gonna hinge on what do I do with the person of Jesus Christ? And how do I perceive him? How do I think about him? And then based off of how I perceive him and how do I think about him, how is it then that I interact with him, right? And what do I do with the claims that Jesus makes about himself? Now this is important. Uh, sometimes out there, like on TikTok or whatever, you'll see people try to debunk that Jesus even existed, or that the Bible isn't true, or the church is corrupt, or you know all those kind of things that are out there everywhere. All you have to do is get into the right feed, and, and you'll start looking at those things. Here's the deal. There is no credible scholar on planet Earth that would argue that Jesus did not exist. He 100% existed. The Bi we have what we call biblical evidence, the Bible talks about it, but then we have extra biblical. So Hebrew scholars believe that Jesus existed, Roman historians said Jesus existed, even modern day atheists who don't believe in God would still say that Jesus existed. So there's zero, zero credibility to anybody who says that Jesus Christ did not exist. Jesus 100% without argument Every credible scholar agrees that the person of Jesus Christ existed and existed in the time frame that we believe that he existed. Now, that raises a question. If the existence of Jesus isn't in question, then what is in question? It's not whether he existed or not, it's what do I do with what he says about himself, ready? Not what the Bible says, and not what the church says, but what did Jesus say about himself? And when you look at Jesus and you look at the tension that surrounded him when he was alive, and you look at the tension that would surround him today, whether people are engaging him or not, it's not his existence that's in question, it's whether or not Jesus is actually God. Because what Jesus claimed about himself is that he was God and the sole source of salvation. So Jesus is the one who says, when you see me, you see the Father. Me and the Father are one. Jesus is the one that says, I am the only source of eternal life. I'm the only way to go to, to heaven, the only way to interact with the Father. Jesus uh, says, I, I am the, the way, the truth, and life. There is one name under heaven by which you must be, must be saved. It's my way. I am the bread of life and the water of life. Metaphors for I am the source of eternal life. So Jesus claimed about himself that he was God. And he said, when you think about me, the hard work about me is not believing that a guy existed 2,000 years ago. Everybody who's gone through eighth grade history knows that we know that people existed 2,000 years ago and who they were and what they were like. That's not the hard thing. The hard thing is, do you believe me for who I say that I am? And Jesus said, actually, it's the only thing. Jesus said, this is John chapter six, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you to believe the one he has sent. So when I say that I'm God, you believing it, that's the only work. Before, God didn't say go to church. He didn't say be a Bible scholar. 
He didn't say quit being Captain F-bomb and cheering for Michigan, all that kind of stuff. The only work that God wants, the very core, the very beginning work, is to believe that I am the one that he sent, or to believe I am the Messiah, I am the Savior, I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords, all these things that Jesus says about himself, I'm the sole source of salvation. So when the Bible and when Jesus goes all the way back, and if, if we're gonna assume you know nothing and we're gonna look and say, where, where is the, absolutely the first jumping on point with all of this? You'd have to go back to that work and we'd have to go back and say, I have to do the work of deciding if I believe what Jesus says about himself or the way that I put it in the notes is, do I accept or reject about what Jesus says? Not what Jeff says, not what the church says, and I'm even gonna say not what the Bible says but what Jesus says about himself and his claim that he is God and the sole source of salvation and how does that play out in, in our lives. Now, here's what's fascinating. This has always been the beginning point with Jesus. So back in John chapter six, John chapter six is this really, really interesting part of the Bible that you should read if you've never read it before, it's fascinating. But a bunch of stuff is happening in John chapter six that's really interesting. Jesus in John chapter six has been teaching and doing miracles for a while. And what happened is he's built up a bunch of followers. So Jesus is about ready. He just did this thing where he's been teaching people about what God is like and how to be kind, how to be loving, how to be merciful and how, like he's done this big, big teaching. And the Bible says that at the end of that teaching, there were 5,000 men that listened to that teaching in the Bible, the Bible counts men, doesn't count women, doesn't count children. So we estimate as Bible scholars, there was probably about 20 to 25,000 people who were listening to this teaching. Those people got hungry and Jesus did one of his most famous miracles. We call it the feeding of the 5,000, but it's really probably the feeding of the 25,000. So there's this little kid, like homeschool kids, got lunch, got some bread, got some fish. Jesus grabs it. Jesus multiplies it. He feeds these 5,000 people, these 25,000 people, okay? Now, this is what's happened in John chapter six. In John chapter six, all these people are in on that. So they're looking at Jesus. They like Jesus. They came to listen to what he had, had to say. So they heard a bunch of his teachings. They'd either heard or seen some of his miracles, and then they just participated in his miracle of 25,000, feeding 25,000 people. After he fed 25,000 people, he went down, his disciples started to cross a lake in a boat. Jesus walks on water. One of the times he walks on water, walks on water, he goes and gets in the boat. And he does another miracle. The Bible says when he got in the boat, he, they were immediately on the other side of the lake. So I don't know what you call that. I call it teletransportation. It's something to do with Star Trek. Like he, he gets in a boat, boom, they're on the other side of the lake. The next day, these 25,000 people come looking for Jesus. And when they come looking for Jesus, it's fascinating. They're all in on his teachings. So they're, they're not the least bit upset about his teachings. They're all in on his miracles. So they're not like, how did you actually, did you call Chick-fil-A ahead of time? Like, how did you actually? They're, they're all in on his miracles. They're all in on him walking on water, and they're all in on him transporting to the other side of the lake on the boat. So his teaching his miracles are not what is controversial to them at all. These guys are big fans of Jesus. 
They go and they find Jesus. They're all in on the miracles. In fact, they're kind of asking to see more miracles. And when they find Jesus, what Jesus does is Jesus crosses a threshold. And the threshold he crosses is he says to them, listen, I know you like my miracles, I know you like my teaching, I know they're making you a better, pe- uh, better people, but I want you to understand something. I'm not just a good guy, I'm actually a great God. I am God. I am salvation. I am truth. I am the way. And when Jesus crosses that threshold, healing people, blind seeing, deaf can hear again, feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, teletransporting, when he crosses that threshold from doing all these incredible things to saying, I am God, and he shifts the conversation, that shift in the conversation is what started to affect his following the most dramatically. The Bible says when he crosses that threshold and he says that he's God, the Bible says in John chapter six, then the people began to murmur in disagreement. You're what? I'm God. Well, you do nice things for nice people, right? But I'm God. Well, your teachings are different and enlightening and self-empowering for us. Right, but I'm God. And when he crosses that threshold, they begin to murmur, and they're in disagreement with him, and they're like, he just said he was God. Isn't that like Joseph and Mary's son? Isn't he from like Nazareth, from Doylestown? Like, like we, we grew up with him. He's God. Yep, I'm God. They get into a conversation. Jesus doubles down on that. He's not just a good guy. He's a great God. And the Bible says in verse 66, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Not ready? It wasn't because he did miraculous things, which is pretty weird. And it actually wasn't because of his teachings that were enlightening and helpful for him. It was his claim to be God. And when he crossed that threshold, he went from 25,000 followers to 12 in about a 24-hour window. Not because of what he did, and not because of a lot of what he said, but because of who he said he was. And the Bible says that all these followers deserted him, they walked away, Jesus turned around to the 12 and he says this, he turns to the 12 and he asks, are you also gonna leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus looks at the 12, he's like, you guys out too? Because you've seen the miracles, you've seen the teaching, you, you ate the bread and the fish. You were in the boat when we teletransported. You got it all. Are you out too? And Peter looks, he says, no, we're not out because we don't believe that you're a good guy. We believe that you're a great God. And when those 25,000 disciples, because I want you to see, the Bible calls them disciples. 
So these were people that were learning from Jesus. Pro, these are not atheists. These are not skeptics. If you're a Bible person, this is not the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. These were people who were in on Jesus for his miracles and most of his teachings. So his disciples deserted him. And the Bible said it's because, because of that claim. Because when they came to accepting all of what Jesus said about himself, they're like, whoa, you went too far right there. We're all in on you being a good guy. But we don't believe that you're a great God. And the difference between a Christ follower and somebody who's a fan of Jesus is how you personally would answer this question. And I believe that those 25 people were, 25,000 people were disappointed and disillusioned walked away because they realized that if I allow Jesus to be a great God instead of a good guy, that has massive personal ramifications for me. And I don't know if I'm ready for the personal ramifications that show up in my life if I'm dealing with a great God instead of just a good guy. And at the very, very beginning of everything, before the Bible, before the church, before the, the very, very beginning of all of it, that core question that we would have to personally ask ourselves, this is not something that you have to answer to me for, to the church for, but you would personally ask yourself is that question, Am I dealing with a good guy or am I dealing with a great God? And the difference between 25,000 and the 12 was how they answered that question. Now I want to talk about this for a second because this is the key to all of it. And the way we think about God and how we accept him, the way we think about Jesus is tied to this. I just want to kind of help us to see it a little bit. Good guy thinking and great God thinking is very, very different thinking, and it has very different personal ramifications for us. Good guy thinking sounds like this. Good guy thinking responds to the parts of Jesus that we understand. I understand loving people, and I understand being kind, and I understand helping the poor, so I'll, I'll do that. I understand Jesus loving me, Jesus helping me. So I'll respond to that, because he's a good guy, and that's what a good guy does. Great God thinking would look and say, I'm gonna submit myself to a great God even when I don't understand what he's thinking or what he's accomplishing. When Jesus says, in this world I will be hated and have trouble. When Jesus says, if you don't follow me, there is no other path to heaven except to believe in me. Well, I don't like that part because some of my friends don't. And a good guy, but a great God, would be the one who can define that or not define it. See how it works? Good guy thinking would incorporate the positive teachings of Jesus into our life. Jesus, pretty much if you practice almost anything Jesus says, it's gonna make your life better. Almost all business books and leadership books are based on biblical principles. It's just how to interact with people. Be kind, be patient, develop people, be selfless, all this kind of stuff. 
So good guy thinking says, I'm gonna incorporate those positive things into my life. Great God thinking says, I'm going to correct the parts of my life that don't align with Jesus' teaching. I'm not going to affect the parts of my life. I'm not gonna weigh the parts of my life. I'm gonna look at a great God and say, he's right, I'm wrong, and I'm going to correct myself to be a part of it because I'm serving a great God who has the right and the authority to define what's true in my life regardless of how I define it. Good guy thinking would trust Jesus as long as Jesus works for me. Like, as long as Jesus is like adding to my life, I'm in. Where I don't like it or I don't want it, I'm kind of out. Great God thinking would follow Jesus as I die to myself. I'm going to rid myself of my own opinions and perspectives and replace them with Jesus more and more and more and more. Good guy thinking adds Jesus to our life plan. Great God thinking, our life is defined and directed by Jesus. Good God thinking accepts Jesus' morality and example. Great God thinking accepts Jesus' authority and commission. Good guy thinking says Jesus is for me. Great God thinking says I am for Jesus. And at the very, very beginning of everything, as I was talking to our friend, we were having this conversation. At the very, very beginning of everything, me accepting or rejecting Jesus for who Jesus says that he is, is the key to all of it. So people who look at Jesus and say, I don't believe you're just a good guy, I believe you're a great God. Jesus, where are you going to lead me to? Where else will we go? You have the words of life. You are the Holy One of God that was sent by God. Where, where else can we go? What would we do? The difference between that, a, a, a person who believes that Jesus is a great God is a person who accepts Jesus for who he says he is, and that defines everything else in my life. So if you said to me, Jeff, why do you believe the Bible? I would say to you, I believe the Bible because Jesus did. Jesus quoted the Old Testament all the time. And because I believe he's a great God, and he says that those words are the words of God, now I believe that these are the words of God. Jeff, why are you committed to the church? I don't believe that the church is the path to heaven. I don't believe that you have to come to grace to go to heaven. I don't believe that you have to confess your sins to me to go to heaven. And I don't believe if you're not baptized, you can't go to heaven. It's not, in the, it's not in the Bible anywhere. So, so what's the role? Why do you believe in the church? Well, I believe in the church because Jesus believed in the church. He started it. And Jesus is the one who values it. So Jesus says, the spiritual entity of the church is my family, and the spiritual entity of the church is like my bride. So the relationships with the church, when I have tension with Heidi or tension with my family, because she's my wife and we're family, that's why I pursue those relationships. That's why I value it. That's why the people uh, that are Christ followers have a different standing in my life than just anybody else does. Why? Because we're family. Well, where do you get all that from? Well, from Jesus. Why do we come to church every weekend? 
Because Jesus said we should gather together, like families should be together. So I don't believe that any of, any of what we would do as a church sends us to heaven. I just believe that Jesus started, we know the day the church started, it was the day of Pentecost. Jesus started the church and values the church, so I make the church a big part of my life because it's centered to Jesus' life. See how it works? Why do you believe the rest of the Bible? Like the, why do you believe the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter? Well, because Jesus, Jesus said that I should. He said that his spirit divinely inspired these words. So that's why I don't, I don't believe it because I think this book is better than that book. I believe this one because Jesus believed this one. I'm a part of the church because Jesus was a part of it. It all starts with Jesus. Well, why does that govern your life so much? Because I believe he's a great God. I, I don't think these are opinions that should be weighed. I think this is the example and the calling of a great God who should define and direct my life. And everything then off of my life is built from that foundation of deciding who I believe Jesus is. And that is not a new question. That is always the question. It's the starting. The disciples believed Jesus was Jesus and there was no Bible. The disciples believed Jesus was who Jesus says he was and there was no church. That was all pre-church. The, the disciples were not raised in Christian homes. There was no Christianity until Jesus. And the disciples watched his teaching, watched his miracles, understood the positive, but believed he was a great God so much that they endured the negative. And they watched him die and they watched him raise again. And Peter looks and says, I don't, I, what else am I supposed to do? I'm interacting with the one. And so I can't leave you. Where, where would I go? Okay. So you see, you see how that is foundational to everything? That, that if you pull that out, like nothing else really works that well. Or if you pull that out, now you've got like a Christian scholar arguing against an Islamic scholar about whose scriptures are sacred. If Jesus is a good guy, then you've got like that guy's opinion on TikTok and like that guy's opinion on TikTok and you're just kind of feeling out which one works for you. But if we're talking about a great God who is worthy of our life, who we need to yield to, who we follow because he has the words of life and he is the one that was sent by his father, then that becomes the foundational perspective of which I view and implement the whole of my life. Okay. Let me show you how this works. I have a friend that, um, that passed away a couple months ago. His name was Jeff Martell. And uh, Jeff was a dear friend. Jeff was a pastor he pastored at the, the chapel uh, for, in Akron for many years, and then he actually came on the staff here at Grace for a long time. He helped to start our Barberton campus, and then he went back to the, the chapel in Akron. And uh, Jeff was uh, about 48 years old, and uh, he, he was diagnosed with a cancer, and he died a year later. Um, it, was, it was difficult because Jeff, Jeff was a health nut. Um, he, he, he ate well, 
he was like, he's kind of ripped, he's kind of a big guy, real athletic guy. We used to take pastors, I take the pastors on a retreat once a year to plan and pray and those kind of things. So of course Jeff went on these retreats with us. And one of the things I hated about Jeff was he would always make us work out before lunch. He's like, we're gonna have lunch. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna have lunch. And he's like, we should work out. I was like, or we should maybe not do that whatsoever. He's like, let's work out. So we would, he put us through some horrible, I'm like, are we trying out for the Navy SEAL? Like, what's happening right now? Like, some kind of workout, and then he'd be like, let's eat lunch. I'm like, I'll be puking, <laughs> like, the rest of the day over there. Like, but that's just kind of guy he was. Super in shape, super healthy, wonderful guy, loved people, loved Jesus, got cancer. Year later, he's gone. He's not even 50. He's got two young kids, got a wonderful, beautiful wife, served Jesus his whole life. I went to his, his viewing, it took me two hours to get through the line. Thousands of people came to his viewing. And then when I got there and I saw his body and what cancer had done to his body, painful, discouraging, isolating, right? But Jeff was not a good guy guy. He was a great God guy. So when Jeff was approaching this, this thing that he didn't want, and this thing that, that made no sense and seemed so unfair, that fundamental decision completely defined how he was going to approach that path in life. If Jeff was a good guy, person, then he would have looked at Jesus and said, wait a minute, I'm a good guy, you're a good guy, why, why am I getting screwed over? What in the world? Like, I've been a really good guy. I've been a pastor my whole adult life. And by, by the way, it's Dr. Jeffrey Martell. Education process, everything. I've, I've like given everything to you. I'm a good guy, you're not being a good guy, but he's not a good guy guy, he's a great God guy. I'm a good guy, but you're a great God. So you have me on a path. How do I help people know you when I'm on a path I don't wanna be on? You're a good, God, good guy, Jesus, you're a good guy, I'm a good guy, I got kids. I got kids, and they're gonna be without a father. It, what is that? How unjust, how unfair, how cruel. I, I thought you were a good guy. But Jeff was a great God guy. I'm a good guy, but you're a great God, and I have kids. And you have to keep them for me. You have to protect them. I believe that you love them more than I can. And I need you to be present in their life. If he's a good guy, if that's his perspective, good guy, I, let's, let's add up the good works. 25 years of pastoring, there's a lot of good works. It's not like we get paid enough for it. We're on call all the time. People are difficult, like I, I am loaded up on the good works. That didn't factor into me getting cancer. But because he's a great God guy, 
all of my life, including my death, is meant to bring glory and honor to you. Because where else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. So what happens is this, Jeff dies, they have his funeral, and when you go to Jeff's funeral, his wife, his children, his present boss, part of the team here at Grace, like we all, it's all healthy and loving and all the rest, right? Go to his funeral. Because Jeff was not a good guy that had that good guy perspective on Jesus, he was a great God perspective. What happened was this is fascinating. The funeral was not about how good of a guy Jeff Martell was. The funeral was about how great of a God Jeff Martell served. Because Jeff decided a long time ago that he was gonna fade away and die to himself. Because why in the world would I think I'm the biggest deal in the world when I'm following and serving the one true God? So the funeral was a celebration of Jeff's life and a glorification of Jeff's God. And all of that, all of that boiled all the way back isn't because Jeff knew the Bible inside and out and he was a Bible scholar, demon, Dr. Martell. It wasn't because he knew the church. Chapel's a great church. Grace is a great church. It wasn't just because he served in, a, in the church. All of that was way back in the day Jeff said, I'm not following a good guy, I'm following a great God. And that decision put his life and his mind and his investment on a path and that's why he believed the Bible and that's why he was committed to the church and the people of the church and that's why he was committed to giving his life away for the cause of Christ. He wasn't trying to earn his way to heaven. He, he wasn't trying to be a scholar of spiritual things. He was trying to know, love, and serve the great God. And at the very, very beginning, see how that works? You with me? See how that works? Right? The very, very beginning, accepting Jesus, ready? Not for who Pastor Jeff says he is. Not for who Grace Church says that he is. We're, we're all way down the line. Accepting Jesus for who Jesus says that he is. I am the son of the living God. I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And many were disillusioned. Many were disappointed. They're not fighting over his miracles and a bunch of his teaching. Many walked away. They're not offended that he said, be nice to your neighbor. They weren't even offended that he said, you're a sinner. They walked away and they were disillusioned when he crossed the threshold and said, because I am God and I must be followed, I must be loved, I'm that way, right? Okay.
If you bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute, and where I'd like us to kind of land here this weekend is on that thought. But personally, I actually don't want you to think this through on like this super high level. This isn't about Christianity versus Islam, Christianity versus, that's, I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think about you and Jesus. And for some, maybe you've never realized like that's, that's who Jesus says that he is and what he's like. And he does love you and he does want what's best for you. And, and sometimes he blesses us and sometimes those blessings are enjoyable and sometimes they're actually difficult. That's all true, but that's not the whole of who he says he is. I just want you to start to think through, have you ever thought of Jesus as a great God? And thought about it from that perspective. And then let me just say this, for some of us who grew up in church, you know all these verses, you know this Bible, you've walked through John 6 a thousand times. But when you look at your life, and you look at what governs you, and you look at what he has authority over you, are we, is that what we're talking about, see? Jesus, in these moments, would you help us? Would you start to give us clarity? Would you start to draw close to our hearts? Would you start to help us to see for ourselves what we think, and how we function, and how we interact with you? And God, as we open up these questions and as we open up this, like this basic truth thing, God, would you meet us there? Would you help us there? And would you draw us close to you? So Jesus, I pray for this on a, on a, this weekend in a uniquely individualistic way. Lord, these are questions that everyone who is your fan and is thinking about being your follower has to answer. And so God, in very personal and individual ways, would you be with us in the wrestling of that? Jesus, as we worship you, as we think about you, as we, we celebrate you, God, would you draw close to us in it all, in your name, amen.